and uh, Luke the 8th chapter, 1 through 21, and I'll go ahead and put up that introduction slide as we uh, get ready to look at this. Uh, I'm going to give you that outline, and I want you to notice as we go through this today that Luke records a transformation that takes place here, and Jesus will say in verse 8, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And then I want us to think about, are we informed or are we transformed? And then the keys to that transformation. Verse 1, Jesus is traveling about and he is preaching and teaching. In verses 2 and 3, the 12 are with him. And it says that there are certain other women. And we'll talk about that in just a moment. And then in verses 4 through 8, Jesus will deliver this parable, one that we're pretty familiar with. And the verses 9 through 15, the disciples will come and they will ask him about that. And he'll explain that parable to them. But then I want us to really watch when we get to verse 16. And he makes kind of this transition as he begins to make the application to the disciples and to everyone. Will it be information or transformation? And I think what we'll see is Jesus is giving information so that there will be a transformation. I want to give you this illustration as we get started this morning. There was a fellow that said on one occasion, he read this book about a legendary college and a legendary football program. It was Notre Dame. (laughs) And he said as he read that book, he said there's just lots of interesting things in there. And it talked about legendary coaches, and it talked about legendary players, and it talked about famous games and famous plays and just all kinds of things that went on. And he said by the time he got done, he just had all kinds of information about Notre Dame and about their football program. But he said personally, it didn't change me. He said I had a lot of information but I was still the same person. I want to suggest that to you. The Bible contains a lot of information. But that information is given for a reason. Information is given so that there will be a transformation. The material that's in this book is arranged in such a way that it tells a story. But it's a story that will change your life. Because it's information that can bring about a transformation. And so as we take a look at Luke the 8th chapter, in these first 21 verses, don't miss the transformation. Watch what's going on here. First of all, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. I want to read verses, or chapter 8, verse 1 through 3. Now it came, up, came to pass afterward that he went through every city and village preaching and bringing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him, and certain women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, out of whom had come seven demons, and Joanna the wife of Chusa, Herod's steward, and Susanna. And many others who provided for him from their substance. 
Jesus is going about, he's preaching and teaching the good news, the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. Now, before we go any further, stop for a moment. <laughs> Remember when we've talked about a kingdom before? In order for there to be a kingdom, there's got to be four things, right? There's got to be a king, there's got to be a law, there's got to be subjects, and there's got to be territory. Jesus is going about and he is preaching and he's teaching the good news, the glad tidings of the kingdom. Don't miss that. Luke records that from the very beginning here. Jesus is talking about, and Luke is recording, the king is here. The kingdom is coming. And so he's going about and he's preaching and teaching about that. You know, one of the big questions in the history of Christianity is this. How did such a small group of Jews that had no real political power and little material resources, how did they ever grow to be so prominent that eventually they changed the Roman Empire? <laughs> Isn't that something? Eventually, the Roman emperor would declare Christianity as the official religion of the Roman Empire. In the midst of a politically corrupt and problem-plagued society, how did this small group come to have such a positive influence on individuals and on groups and on society and the Roman Empire. How'd that happen? Well, there's lots of reasons, but I'm going to suggest one. I want to suggest the reason why they had such power and such influence is because what Jesus taught and eventually what they would teach, one of the things is that they were valued. People were valued. It's amazing what happens to a person when they come to realize how much they are valued. It's amazing what that knowledge will do to a person and do to their life. You see, in the first century, children oftentimes were looked on just kind of merely as property, and you could do with them whatever you want. But in Matthew, the 18th chapter, when the children tried to come to Jesus, and the disciples at first tried to restrain them, Jesus said, no, let them come to me, for such is the kingdom of heaven. Unless you're converted and become like these, you shall not enter into the kingdom. They were valued. Women were second class, maybe third class, citizens. Widows were often forced out of necessity into unwanted marriages just to survive. Sometimes they would just be 
in abject poverty because they were on their own. Sometimes they turned to illicit occupations just so they could survive. Yet the church in the first century was told to take care of widows. Slaves were to be treated as equals. Jews and Gentiles became brothers and sisters. And in the book of Galatians that we're studying, that in Christ Jesus, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for they are all one in Christ Jesus. It's as we've said before, at the foot of the cross, the ground is level, everybody's the same in Jesus Christ. That was different than society. So I want you to notice as we look at these first three verses. Look what Luke records. He mentions Mary. And he mentions Joanna. And he mentions Susanna by name. And he says there were others. And not only does he mention them, notice what he says about them. They helped to provide for Jesus and the disciples. Is that different? <laughs> That's different, isn't it? Women providing for men? Why does Luke record that? Because Luke's trying to show us something that's relevant and something that's important. What Luke is trying to record is that the transformation is already beginning to take place. And so he says in verses 1 through 3, Jesus is going about, he's preaching and teaching the good news of the kingdom of God, and look who's following with him, these 12 disciples and these women. And do you know who was in that group of 12? There were some blue-collar workers. There were some fishermen. There was a tax collector. There was a zealot. Under normal circumstances, these men could have very easily hated one another and not gotten along. But now they're following Jesus. And he's preaching the good news of the kingdom. And all of a sudden, you've got these people who normally in society might not even associate with each other, and they would certainly look at each other differently. And now they're together. Luke 8, verse 4. And when a great multitude had gathered, and they had come to him from every city, he spoke by a parable. A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trampled down, and the birds of the air devoured it. Some fell on rock, and as soon as it sprang up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. And some fell among the thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it, but others fell on good ground, sprang up, and yielded a crop a hundredfold. When he had said these things, he cried, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Jesus emphasizes the importance of listening to what he had just said in verse 8. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. 
Listen to what I just said. You know, a lot of Jesus' teaching was done in rural areas. And this seems to be the setting for on this particular occasion. And I think it's interesting as you look at this. That the people who heard this story, you ever stop and thought about this? The people who heard this story were familiar with agriculture. Now we live just on the north end edge of Kansas City there and we drive towards Platte City and along the way you, it's like you start to run out of houses and you run out of stores and then you kind of start to get rural and then pretty soon there's corn. <laughs> and then you get to Platte City and you go beyond and there's more corn and there's soybeans and there's stuff like that. Now what you think about that for a moment. This is a rural sort of agricultural area. This was a rural agriculture area. Hey, that well-known teacher that everybody's been talking about, he's coming out today. You want to hear what he's got to say? Well, there was a sower. And he sowed some seed. Some of it fell by the wayside. And some of it fell among the rocks and some of it fell among the thorns. And then some of it sprang up. This is what we waited for. This is what we stood in line for. <laughs> but then Jesus says, let him who has ears, let him hear. You know those things. But I want you to stop and think about what I just said. And so verse 8 is really the attention given. In practical terms, up to that point, they knew what he said. They already knew that. But Jesus is saying, I want you to stop and think about it. I want you to think about how this applies to your life. I don't want you to just hear this. I want you to ponder this. See what Luke's recording for us and what Jesus is saying is I'm not giving you information just for information. I'm interested in a transformation. I want you to stop and think about this. I want you to think about what I just said and how that applies to you. You know, sometimes at home, my wife will say to me, did you hear what I said? And I'll go, maybe. <laughs> but just in case I didn't, do you want to repeat it? <laughs> and then I know I should be paying attention. This is important. And that's what Jesus is saying. I want you to think about this. I know you're familiar with these things. But how does this story apply to your life? What's the application? And so in Luke 8 and verse 1, it says that Jesus was going about in every village, in every city, and He's bringing the glad tidings, the good news of the kingdom of God. 
The king is here. The reign is about to begin. And if you understand this, you know what? You can be a part of it. This is good news. This is good news. Hey, listen up. You want to be a part of this. See, this is talking about life in the kingdom. And life in the kingdom is going to be different. Life under this king and his rule is different than what you are now experiencing. There's information. But if it's listened to, and it gets a chance to sink in, it'll bring a transformation. So it's important to stop and to reflect and to ponder and really hear what Jesus is saying. So secondly, were they to be informed or were they to be transformed? So verse 9. Then the disciples asked him, saying, What does this parable mean? And he said, To you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. But to the rest it is given in parables, that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are the ones who hear Then the devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. But the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy, and these have no root, who believe for a while, and in time of temptation they fall away. Now the ones that fell among the thorns are those who, when they have heard, go out and are choked with cares, riches, and pleasures of life, and bring no fruit to maturity." But the ones that fell on good ground are those who, having heard the word with a noble and good heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience. So Luke's already told us. He's going about and he's preaching and he's teaching about the kingdom. The good news of the kingdom. Jesus is the one that's doing that. He's the sower. Verse 11. The seed is the word of God. And the good news. Jesus has come to rule. And he's come to reign. In the lives of people. Now I want you to think a minute about the soils. We need to stop and ponder. See, because sometimes we look at this and we say, well, that's just four different people. That's just four different hearts. And that's just four different ways that people respond. Well, the soils represent different responses. And they represent four different conditions of the heart. 
See, we need to stop and think about that. Because if God's Word is going to do the work that God intends for His Word to do, and to bring about transformation, it has to be given a chance. See, a long time ago, Isaiah said it like this. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater. You hear what he just said? In the natural order of things, God sends the rain and He sends the snow and He says it comes down, it doesn't just return, but there's a purpose. And it causes the earth to bring forth. So shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me empty. Some translations say it shall not return unto me void. But it shall accomplish the purpose for which I sent it forth. God gave His word with a reason. It's not just information. He has a purpose behind it. So as we stop and think about that, a question for us is this. See, because sometimes we just say, well, that's just four different people. No, there's more to it than that. That's conditions of the heart. So we need to stop. We need to ask ourselves this. Is there ever a time when your heart is hard? When God's word falls, but it doesn't really get a chance to take root? Have you ever heard someone say, you tell them something from God's word, and they go, I don't believe that. And we've talked about this before. You know what the problem is? They don't believe that. <laughs> and so God's word doesn't get a chance. But see, that can happen with us also. It can happen with Christians. God wants to tell me something about my relationship with another Christian. God wants to tell me something about my relationship as a husband and husbands and wives. And at the moment, I don't want to hear it. Does that ever happen? So sometimes we have to stop and think. Does God's word ever get choked out? Sometimes I'm just too busy. I don't have time to sit and think about this. Does that happen? Is there times whenever it just kind of falls by the wayside? So we need to stop and think about this. And we need to think about different conditions of the heart. And of our heart. So as you think about this parable, what are the constants and what is the variable in this parable? Well, the constant is Jesus is the sower. 
And the constant is his word. The variable is how that word is received. And that can vary from time to time. So he's talking about the condition of the soil. He's talking about the condition of the heart and how responsive we are to his word. Let me give you this other illustration. As most know, a couple weeks ago, I flew to Boise. Right? Airports are an experience anymore, aren't they? <laughs> and so now before you can get on there, you go through this scanner. You know the scanner? <laughs> you take off your shoes, take off your belt, take everything out of your pockets, all this kind of stuff, and you step into this machine-like thing, and you, you do this, right? <laughs> and it scans you before you can go on. What if we install a scanner? And we put it back there by the back door. And on the way out, you have to go through the scanner. All of us, that's including me. And it shows your heart. And it shows where the seed fell that day. Well, I see from this one, the heart, the seed fell on the heart. But that heart today is hard. There's not much chance that that seed's going to take root. And then the next one steps up there. Oh, I see this heart. It looks like it's taken a little root, but it looks like there's some weeds growing up around it. <laughs> so it probably won't ever really bear any fruit. And some of it just fell by the wayside. And it'll be gone before they ever get home. And then, hey, look at this one. Look at this heart. That seed fell right on there. And it's taking root. And it's going to bear fruit. See, that's what Luke's talking about. Different conditions. And how our hearts respond to it. So what makes the difference? What brings about the transformation? Take a look at verse 16. Keep in mind, the disciples have come and they have asked Jesus. They recognize that when he says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. They recognize what he's saying. You need to hear this. You need to understand this. And so they come and they ask him, what does this parable mean? And so Jesus is first going to explain it to them and he wants them to make application so that they, when it's in turn, go to sow the seed, they can help others make the application. Verse 16. No one, when he has lit a lamp, covers it with a vessel or puts it under a bushel, but sets it on a lampstand that those who enter may see the light. For nothing is secret that will not be revealed, nor anything hidden that will not be known and come to light. Therefore, take heed how you hear. For whoever has, to him more will be given. And whoever does not have, even what he seems to have will be taken away. 
Then his mother and his brothers came to him and could not approach him because of the crowd. And it was told him by some who said, Your mother and your brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. But he answered and said to them, My mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. So as you take a look at this, in verse 16 and 17, he says, No one when he has lit a lamp covers it with a vessel or puts it under a bushel, but he sets it up on the lampstand so that those who enter may see the light. As we think about the soils and we think about the conditions of the heart and sometimes we're more open and sometimes we're more receptive and other times our heart is hard and sometimes we're distracted there's one thing that we need to keep in mind that even when we listen to the Lord we're not sinless 1 John chapter 1, about verses 7 through 9. If we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of His Son cleanses us from all unrighteousness. But if we say that we have no sin, we make Him a liar and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. And the blood of His Son cleanses us from all unrighteousness. One of the keys to transformation is that we have to be honest. We have to be honest about our hearts. And we have to be honest about how the condition can change within our hearts. And that sometimes we do have sins. But at the same time, if that word is allowed to sink in, we'll also recognize the time that we have to ask for forgiveness of that sin. And that takes patience. But here's the point. God has made allowance for that. And you know why He made allowance for that? It's because He values us. He gave His Son for us. And even after we start to follow Him, there are times when our heart condition can change. And so He allows us to turn back and to ask for forgiveness for that. He's patient because He values us. And He wants us to be honest. He wants us to be honest with ourselves. And He wants us to be honest about our efforts. And He wants us to be honest about others. So one of the keys for transformation is, first of all, to be honest with God's Word. And then secondly, in verse 16, He says, No one when he has lit a lamp covers it with a vessel or puts it under a bushel, but sets it on a lampstand that those who enter may see the light. 
You know, one of the other keys to transformation is, for us, is we need to look around and we ourselves need to see the light. We need to look around and see those good hearts. That's an encouragement to me. It should be an encouragement to you. Now I want you to notice in verse 16 what Jesus does. What Jesus does in verse 16 is he switches metaphors. He's been talking about soil and now he's going to talk about light. He's been talking about hearts and now he's talking about lamps. He's been talking about the condition and now he's talking about the influence. And he says that no one, when he has lit a lamp, covers it. Who's he talking to? He's talking to the disciples. They ask for an explanation. And he's talking to them. And he says that no one, when he has lit a lamp, puts it under a bushel. But when he's lit it, what does he do with it? He sets it up on the lampstand so everybody can see it. Here's the example. I turned this light on, I want everybody to see it. You know what Jesus is saying? What he's saying is to those disciples, if I can turn your light on, I won't cover it up. If I can turn your light on, I'm going to put it out where everybody can see it. I want them to know that the information that I have given you has made a transformation. Can you see that? See, that's what Luke is recording for us. Here's the twelve. What do you know about the twelve? Here are these women. What do you know about these women? And isn't this different than society? And he said, if I can turn on your light, I'm going to set it out where everybody can see it. I want them to see the transformation. That's why in the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew the 5th chapter, he uses the same illustration. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a bushel or puts it under a table, but rather they set it up where everybody can see it and it gives light to all that comes into the room. That's why Paul, when he writes to the church at Philippi, he says to those Christians, you shine as lights in the world. God wants you to see. Remember when we studied Israel in the Old Testament? (laughs) They were to be a witness to the nations and God planted them where the world could see Him. Luke 8 and verse 17. For nothing is secret that will not be revealed or anything hidden that will not be known and come to light. Therefore take heed how you hear. For whoever has to him more will be given and whoever does not have even what he seems to have will be taken from him. Now there's a couple of different kind of approaches, perspectives that's taken on this passage. Jesus Some say he's referring to the gospel and it being preached and God's plan for man being made known. 
but within the context, seems to me that he's talking about the disciples first. He's talking about the fact that light illuminates. But he's also talking about the fact that light exposes. It'll expose to other people. This is what God intends for people to be like. This is what God intends for His people to be like and how they get along and how they work together. But in so doing, that also exposes sinful practices. When you compare God's kingdom to the world, you can see the difference. So in the context, when he says, be careful how you hear, it's not just hearing, but to hear with the intent that you're going to apply these things. Luke 8 and verse 18. Therefore take heed how you hear, for whoever has to him more will be given, and whoever does not have even what he seems to have will be taken away from him. So in that verse, what Jesus is doing, he gives a promise and he gives a warning. If you hear with the right intent, you'll be given more. But if that's not your intent, even what you have will be taken away from you. In Proverbs 9 and verse 9, it says, Give instruction to a wise man, and he will be wiser still. Teach a righteous man, and he will increase in learning. But the one who doesn't really hear, what Jesus is saying, I'll be taken away. There were a lot of Jews that fell into that category. They knew the Old Testament. They knew the law. But when it came to the Messiah, they didn't listen. They turned away. And then I want you to notice verse 19 through 21. Then his mother and his brothers came to him, and a crowd could not approach him because of the crowd. And it was told to him by some who said, Your mother and your brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. But he answered and said to them, My mother and my brothers are these who hear the word of God and do it. Another key to transformation. Understand God's family. That's why Luke records that. See, in the first century, and in that Jewish culture, they were extremely family-oriented. It's as one writer said, you were your family. Remember how, time, how many times Jesus said to Peter, Simon Barjona, Simon, son of, and he references father. So what Jesus says on this occasion and the reason why Luke records this because this is radical kind of thinking. Your mother and your brothers are outside waiting to see you. And Jesus says my mother and my brothers are the ones who hear the word of God and do it. That's my family. That's how the kingdom changes relationships. 
That's how it brings that transformation. And that's one of the reasons why Luke records about the disciples at the very beginning of this, and he talks about those women. It's transforming their lives. And so Luke records it for us, and the Holy Spirit wants us to know that gender and marital status and social and economic standing and education and race and age and all those things are irrelevant when it comes to the family of God. What's important? Have an open heart. Receive God's word. And then persevere in fleshing it out. That's what makes you a visible member of God's family. That's what makes you a light. And Jesus says, if I can turn your light on, if my word can touch your heart and make a transformation, I will put you out where the folks can see you. Because I want it to have an influence on all those who enter into the room. So Luke records that Jesus is going about teaching and preaching the good news of the kingdom. And in verse 8, Jesus emphasizes the importance of listening. Stop, ponder, and think about what he's saying and how it makes application to people's lives. Now make the application. You watch the evening news? Do you read online about what's going on in the world and in our nation? In our families, in our neighborhoods, in our cities, in our states? People are being ripped apart. But Jesus is saying, if we hear His Word and let it sink into our hearts that He can take people from all walks and all backgrounds, all races, all ages, and make them a family. Wouldn't it be nice if one evening you could turn on the evening news and Lester Holt or David Muir would say, I want to show you something. And there would be a scene Like this. And there would be people from all ages and all races and male and female, every tongue, every tribe. Because I want you to watch while they eat together.
I'll read to you from 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter, and then I'll close. 1 Corinthians 10. verse 16 Paul writes to the church at Corinth and he's in Ephesus more than likely and he's talking about Christians he's talking about God's family and he says the cup of blessing which we bless is it not the communion of the blood of Christ the bread which we break Is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we, though many, are one bread and one body. For we all partake of that one bread. You know what that's saying? We have to be reminded. And we gather around that table weekly. And what it's saying is, is that he valued us. And we in turn value him. And as a result, we value one another. He takes the many and he makes them one. And the way he did that in the first century is he turned on their light one at a time. And that light went from individuals to groups to cities to villages till it spread throughout the Roman Empire and it changed it. It was not just information. It was transformation. And every first day of the week they met and they said, This is the way God's family lives. This is the way God's family treats one another. And he put it out to where the folks could see it. Every Sunday, his family comes together to eat and to show the world that they are one. That's transformation in Luke 8 chapter. Do you think that the world still needs to see that? I think so. That's Luke 8. We want to extend the invitation this morning to any and all that are here. If you've never rendered obedience under the gospel of Jesus Christ, we'd encourage you to do that very day, this very day. Let his words sink into your heart. Make changes in your life. Let others see that transformation and what God's Word can do for you. If you're a child of God and not been living as you should, you need to come back. And He allows for that, and you can make that right. If we can help in any way, you let us know while together we stand and while we sing.